What is going on? Happy Friday. Welcome to our Friday show, our last episode for the week. And thank goodness not for the season. And we know where we're going to start with the Thursday night football game. Cleveland Browns, the Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, the illegal hitting, uh, injury making Browns as Juju got knocked out. Uh, who was the other receiver number 18? I want to say, I can't remember his name. It's right off the tip of my tongue. He got knocked out, and that was a tough hit. When they hit him, he should have been kicked out. He was a defenseless receiver. The guy lowered his head and saw that he missed the ball. It was a good second and a half later. Whether he did it on purpose or wanted to actually injure him, he did go right at his head. I had no problem with him getting kicked out because he knocked him out, and that guy was in pain. He was even bleeding out his ear. And then the, the way the game ended, that was an incredible ending for a, a rivalry situation that they have. I really can't wait to see them play again in Pittsburgh in two weeks. I took issue with Rudolph, though, as well. Because when the play first happened, the camera wasn't on him. And when it went to him, I saw them pulling each other. I didn't see the initial hit. I didn't see uh, Miles Garrett hit him with the helmet. I saw them scuffling and falling down. And then Rudolph throw his hands in the air. And then I saw... Pouncey run over there and just start kicking, kicking Garrett, like throwing blows on his face mask and then kicking his head. I think he attempted it twice, but only actually barely nicked him once. But the fact that he still uh, had intent to hurt. And I was like, man, what is going on? Why are they losing their mind? Then when I actually saw the entire replay, I was like, oh my gosh, that was crazy. That was an absolute crazy play. Rudolph, though, he had it come. Should Miles Garrett have done it? No. Of course not. At no time should you take any kind of uh, equipment and use it as a weapon. Who was the, the baseball player that did that for the minor leagues? I, I want to say his name. I can't remember right now. He actually still played in the majors for a little while. But remember, he missed like a year, had to go through a lot of counseling when he took a baseball bat and threw it at the ump. So And that was in the minor leagues. So And he was a top prospect coming up. So I'm expecting Garrett to be suspended for the season at minimum four games. Or like they might say a quarter of the season, he's going to have to go through counseling, all blah blah blah, all that stuff. But if you look at it piece by piece, the way it starts, I think Garrett initiated it by getting too physical, pulling him down. The ball was already released, and he's holding on to him and pulling on him. But then Rudolph overreacts, and uh, I don't blame either of them because I've played sports, and I've and even in hockey, I remember getting knocked down by a guy, cheap shot from behind. I fell. I didn't have the proper equipment. Now, this was my fault. I had two knee pads, but one of them uh, wasn't staying on, so I just played with one, and I fell on that left knee, and I felt like something tore. I remember uh, I missed some of the playoffs and championship game. I only played in one, and it was best two out of three, Uh, and it hurt me for months. I remember going through pain for months, but when it happened, and I fell on it because the guy rocked me from behind, I turned around, and I went to kick him, and I missed him, but I went to kick him uh, where the cup where the cup um, protects you, you know, right in the groin area. And I missed him and he was pissed and he took a swipe at me and I got up and you, in the heat of the moment, you just start, now I didn't start swinging sticks. I didn't try to do anything like that, but I was so pissed at him and he got pissed at me and it got real heated. So when it comes to sports, it, I understand why it got to that point. Rudolph looked like he was furious because he was, he felt Garrett was holding on too long. Then Garrett, uh, Rudolph started pulling Garrett's helmet off. I think that's what caused uh, Miles Garrett to go after Rudolph with the helmet is because he was 
as he was trying to pull it off, you could see it coming off the back of him and start ripping at his neck and ears. And he was probably like, well, what the heck is this guy doing? You want to do this, little man? You know, I'll, I can pick you up with one hand and throw you. And he, and then he did. He did. If you look, Rudolph's got the knee up there, and then he actually extends his cleat fully into the groin of Miles Garrett. And that's when Garrett, I think, lost it. He was like, you know, screw this guy. He ripped off the helmet. He should have probably left it there because when he ripped it off, he turns around and has no intent. He's not even looking for Rudolph. I don't think he ripped it off and said, I'm going to beat you with it. He just ripped it off, and he was facing the other way. I, I would like to him to just drop it or maybe throw it, like screw you or something like that, send a message. But he kind of had his head turned, and the, the Steeler lineman was holding him back. And then as he starts to turn around, that's when Rudolph's going after him. I know, Dino Dan, you mentioned, hey, he was just going after his helmet. There's no way he wanted part of him. You don't know. That's You don't go, hey, give me my helmet and start getting aggressive at that time. Rudolph was pissed. Garrett was pissed. I think because the offensive lineman was there, he had a little bit of courage. Because if you look at his face, he starts getting intent to yell at him and get, you know, almost like a, hey, hold me back, hold me back. We've seen that joke a thousand times on sitcoms because he knew a guy was there. He can get aggressive and be Mr. Big. And he's on national TV. He's thrown four interceptions. He's furious at the way he's played. Look at some of the picks, how he reacted afterwards, screaming and, and swearing and was not happy. So I think he was just like, you know what, I'm not going to let this guy punk me. He ripped off my helmet and he turned to say something because his mouth was opening. And he was aggressive. And then Garrett saw him and just said, here, you want it? And clocked him right with it. Terrible decision, but it was the heat of the moment. This wasn't something where he grabbed it, walked away, and then saw him running at him like a baseball bat, you know, with a pitcher and a, um, a hitter where they kind of have a moment where they can decide before they do something. This is more of a he got it, turned, saw him, and he was still heated, saw the face, and just reacted and hit him, which was a terrible choice because, like I said, Miles Garrett's an awesome player, and the Browns, to make any kind of run, are gonna, is going to need him there. And then it just went all chaos, broke loose. So that's how I saw it. And everyone sees it differently. I can't say I'm right. That's just my opinion, how I viewed it when it went down. I wish it didn't go down that way because what it's going to do now is just like how we just led this podcast, our show with it, is the first thing I started seeing was YouTube, clips, clips, videos, clips. Then you go uh, uh, ESPN. They're talking about it right after. They're taking away everything Cleveland had done. The story should have been the Steelers looked terrible. The Browns played way too aggressive, and you know I don't know intentionally or not. I didn't see Greg Williams on the sideline. He's not in Cleveland anymore, but doing doing dirty hits, you know uh, the Browns were a little aggressive. They hate Pittsburgh. It's a rivalry. I was glad the Browns won. I picked them in our pick'em league, but the the story was not Cleveland did it. Cleveland trying to rebound. Cleveland beating a Steeler team that had you know won several in a row and looked good doing it in the process, but it was. Uh, all about this. This is going to take it away. And if anything, I think this could actually hurt Cleveland. You know, will they go on this? They do have an easy schedule. They do play the Dolphins, I believe. Oh, I could be wrong. Is it the Dolphins? I think they play Miami next week and then at Pittsburgh again, which which is going to be incredibly must-watch TV. I wish they would flex at the Sunday night game. I so wish they would flex at the Sunday night game, even though both teams might at the time be under 500. The Browns would have a chance to get to six and six, but oh man, I would be, I would say, Hey guys, let's hang out my house, barbecue Sunday night. Let's do this. Uh, this will, this will be good. This will be drama at its finest, but I don't believe that will happen. I hope so. I really hope so. Cause that's, that's one, one thing you've missed with football. Uh, I don't remember even Seahawks Niners played. That was a good game, but I don't, 
you don't feel that rivalry. You know, I remember seeing it with the Bengals and Steelers, like like uh, Austin had said with Perfect. When you do these hits, which are cheap, you know, and this goes back as the years when I was a Bengal fan. Um, I remember uh, Heinz Ward clocking uh, the linebacker Rivers right in the ear and bro- broke his jaw, and it was legal. It's a legal hit. Now they actually made it illegal. It should be called the Heinz Ward penalty because he would always come blindside, dive helmet to helmet right at your ear, knock the guy's chin or ear and just bust him in the head. He would do it all the time and they called it aggressive good football. Yet when players like Perfect did it, he's a dirty player. And Perfect uh, is, in my opinion, a dirty player. But Heinz Ward was just as bad. But you would get the, the bad blood. I hated the Steelers. You know, I hated them with a the passion. And when you see all the games and all the drama and all the way t- situations ended in that series, you could see the hatred and why you hated him so much. And you didn't mind when the players let it spill over to the field. You know, Joey Porter, I can't stand that guy to this day still. Uh, never have, never will. I think he's a piece of crap. I think uh, when he's a coach, he's out there running his mouth on the field. Uh, I don't think he's still there anymore. He might be. But when he was there uh, with Cincinnati when they had that playoff game, he was the big cause of that whole eruption. It was a perfect did with that terrible hit. But after that, he had no business to be on there. He's a coach. He ain't a player anymore. Let the players handle it. But that, So I think that's what uh, football misses at times. You want those rivalries. You want T.O. standing on the star and the Cowboys knocking him over. And sometimes that bad blood or that unsportsmanlike play can actually fuel to the rivalry and it makes it a little more must-watch TV. You know, I mean, I honestly, honestly, I was a Blackhawk fan for many years um, before the Ducks, or not many years, just a few years before the Ducks existed. But I remember even just as a hockey fan in general, doesn't matter, Ducks fan, Blackhawk fan, you could be anything. The Red Wings and Avalanche, that was some of the best rivalry hockey I've ever, sports I've ever seen. When Claude Lemieux did the cheap shot and hurt, uh, who was it? I want to say, who was it? It was not Dino Cicerelli. It was... Uh, Dang it, either number 26. Anyways, it's not important. He hurt the player, cheap shot at him, face first into the, the boards. Oh, Chris Draper. I think it was Draper, 33. Cheap shot at him, busted up his face. The Avalanche go on to win that series. They go on to win the cup. And the Red Wings were the better team in that season. And then you saw next year when the game broke, where where I think it was later on in the season as they were coming down, and uh, Chris Osgood was the goalie. If you know hockey, you know what I'm going with this. Mike Vernon, who was a former Stanley Cup champ with the Calgary Flames, he was a great goalie. He was the backup, though. His time had come. He was the backup now for the Red Wings. He comes in in a backup role against these guys, and all hell breaks loose. They finally get it. You know, They go after Lemieux. It's a huge brawl. I mean, you had the goalies, Patrick Waugh, going against Mike Vernon. The goalies cleared the ice and started going at it, and I loved every minute of it. I loved Vernon pounding Waugh's face. Uh, I, 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 I'm I, not a Red Wing fan, especially then I was not, but that in that series I was. You know, it was the – I hated the Avalanche more. I just did. Um, they were – Patrick Waugh was a little annoying uh, punk when the Blackhawks lost him in the playoffs with against the Avs, and sometimes – it's like the uh, predator versus aliens you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend and uh a partner and that's what that was to me and so i loved it i loved it when vernon beat patrick Waugh's butt made him bleed and that was some good freaking hockey vernon went on to take over the role in the playoffs over osgood because the fans loved it he looked good the team was rallied behind him the red wings went on to win the cup and the Avalanche did not. And so when you get rivalries like that, and I, I'm hoping that's what's going to happen now with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, because in football, some of that has died down. You know, you got the good game. You don't want everyone to 
to basically be complete jerks or unsportsmanlike. But I do like seeing some of those rivalries where at the end of the game, they don't handshake. Maybe if they're friends, if you got actual friends on the team. But if you don't have friends on the team, you know, everybody going high five and high, high, high you know, buddy, buddy. I know th- there is a thing of sportsmanship. I love it with the kids. But sometimes with adults, I don't mind if they don't. If they do, cool. But like when Brady was leaving and the Seahawks were talking crap about Brady, you know, Richard Sherman back in the day when he was young and Earl Thomas and they intercepted him and they were running their mouth. And Brady's like, what? that's cool, man. Get at it. Let's see it. But you got to back it up. And so it makes it more interesting. And I think that's what happened tonight. But like I said, it takes away from the fact that Cleveland played um, a good game plan. Their offense looked uh, terrible at times, but good enough. Schobert, what an incredible game for Jose. Let's get into the game. Who had players in it? Last night we left off, I'm sorry, uh, or yesterday's show. It got interrupted because I lost track of time. I totally lost track of time. And it was, um, I was talking about a game and I, I was like, what the heck's going on? I went to look at the time thinking, you know, oh, I only have 10 minutes left and I still got to talk about four other games. And it didn't fit in. It actually ended up only getting two games in and it cut me off at the end. So I'm sorry. So I'm going to go through much quicker because we have other stuff to cover. And this game tonight was really uh, is going to take up more time, as you've seen already, almost 15 minutes in, because it's just it was so intense. And the way it ended, I mean, I was like, wow, you know, I I don't want to see that the helmet hit. Uh, I would have been fine if they just started throwing blows or shoving each other and the whole brawl breaks out. But without the helmet, you don't want weapons, especially I mean, the guy had no helmet. It's not like he grabbed a lineman's helmet and then hit the other guys. Even that would have been pretty bad. I mean, that got crazy. So. As we were saying, we were talking about Jose and Austin's team, and we were getting down to, uh, we thought Schobert's need need to have a 20-point game or so to keep up with Leonard. I mean, remember, Darius Leonard, last week he had 45 points. Now, week before, he had 15 against Pittsburgh. He had nine tackles, but nothing outstanding. He's playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville can move the ball, so we'll see if they get a run game going. Will he come out with another big... If, he, if Austin knows he's got to get a 20-point game now, he can't go out and just get 15 unless Austin just uh, Cooper Cup, Fournette, McCaff- McCaffrey, they all shine with 30- to 40-point games. Then it can be overlooked. But Schobert, the way he came out tonight, 45.8 points. He was everywhere, dude. Two interceptions, two – I thought he had two sacks. He might have had one. Ten tackles. He had deflected pass after deflected pass. It felt like wherever he was, wherever the ball was, he was at. And he was such a focal point. And th- that should have been the story. Schopert doing well. Baker Mayfield doing enough to lead the team after, you know, he kind of said, hey, he feels like he's getting hot, that he's he had a feeling about this. And they came out and played well enough to win. Didn't look great, but they looked good. And they got the job done. And Schobert, yeah, easily. Troy Aikman was mentioning how he was probably his defensive player of the week already before any other game is played. He just did so well. I can't see anyone else doing what Schobert did and stealing it from Maybe there can be co-defensive players of the week, but I don't think anyone's going to steal it from him. But fantasy-wise, 45 points. That's giant for Jose. Jose needed something like that because coming into this game, coming into this game, Schobert was only projected to get 14 so Jose was actually projected to get 130, around 130 to 131 to Austin's 165 or so. So Jose was like a 35-point underdog, somewhere in that range. And now with that, if Jose's team does everything else they're supposed to do, now Chubb did underperform. He was projected to get 17 and only got 9. So that does hurt him. We did talk about in the podcast last night that Aaron yesterday. I always say last night when it's yeah, everyone listens to it earlier in the day. Yesterday's show. 
I got to remember just to say that. Nick Chubb, we mentioned, needs to have maybe a 20-point game. He came close to getting 15 with that five-point bonus. If he just got eight more yards, he could have had himself 15 points. That would have been good. That would have really helped Jose. But Schobert, 45 points, man. He makes up for Nick Chubb. He can make up for, you know, if Frank Gore or if Fitzgerald, if someone else does not come out and just blow up or even do what they're projected, that defense can help uh, mask those things. That's what, I mean, Jose really, really needed that going into this game. So Austin, I don't think is nervous, but he should be because now it's projected 162 for Jose and 165 for Austin. A three-point win, but either way, it's still a, three, a win is a win. But now he's he knows he can't have McCaffrey come out and get a zero. I mean, he's playing Atlanta, so we know that's not happening. By no means is that happening. But, you know, remember that game against uh, Tampa Bay, at home against Tampa Bay, and we know Tampa Bay's a good run defense, but he did nothing. That whole team did nothing that night. So there is a chance that McCaffrey could, you know, be pedestrian. And for him, pedestrian is about 22, 24 points. So anyways, we talked about that game enough last night. We know what Jose has to do. Now his team has to do a little less, but he still wants, he needs still Prescott. He needs Edelman. He needs Kelsey and Boyd and maybe the Redskins D to all go out and maybe get about five to 10 points more than they're projected. That would give him a serious shot at beating Austin, the number one scoring team in our league. All right, next game we are going to cover is one that both had a player tonight. It's Baker's Almost Dozen against Oh, You Forgot About Me. Now, in last podcast, we did break down everybody real quick. Now we'll go position by position, starting with the quarterback. Josh Allen, he had a season-high 27 points last week. This week he's playing against the Dolphins. Last time he played Miami, he broke for 23. So I think Brian's going, hey, give me 23, give me 25, give me 30. He'll, you know, you always want more, but I think you could be safe if Brian, if he gets anywhere near there because Baker Mayfield had a pretty good game, 23 points tonight. Uh, so Allen wants to try to keep pace with that because Matt's got Gurley, who's going against Chicago on primetime, who's suddenly not looking great against uh, the run at times. And he's got Josh Jacobs, who uh, is probably going to destroy the Cincinnati Bengals. I would think I would think Jacobs out of all these running backs. Uh, actually, you know what? I just remembered he got Zeke. Never mind. I think Zeke could have the best game. He's playing the Lions, and they're towards the bottom of the the pack. We'll see if if is it Driscoll. I think Driscoll is the backup. If Driscoll plays for the Lions, look for this to be a big Zeke game, and he runs all over them because they'll get themselves maybe a double digit lead and try to pound the ball a lot. If it turns out to be Stafford and it gets in a shootout, Zeke could still have a really big game. But I think. Other weapons would be involved because they would rely on more. Ingram against Houston, I don't know how that's going to come out because Ingram has had some games where I thought, oh, man, I wish I had Ingram on my team this week. And at times you're just like, he didn't do anything. You know, even last week, Ingram against the Bengals, the first time he played Cincinnati, he had 15 points, 52 yards and a touchdown. This time it was even worse, and the Bengals are not a great run defense, but he had 34 and one touchdown for nine points. So... He's been disappointing at times. He's had two really big games, a 40 and a 27-point game. But other than that, he's got double-digit games, so he's not bad. But he has not been what we were expecting. Now, he's got a good average, and he's got the point, the yards and total points. Based on total points, he's, he's RB1. He's 11th because he had a couple really big games that's kind of masked some of his lower-scoring games. But if Brian can just look at him and say, hey, give me 12 to 15 against Houston, that'll be good because I don't think Gurley's going to do – Insane. We have not seen Gurley really do much all year, which is very disappointing. He had one 20-point game all year, 25 points against Tampa Bay, and that's because he had two 
rushing touchdowns and had seven catches for 54 yards. He has not rushed for 100 yards once. First week one was the only one where he came close with 97. Since then, I mean, I can't believe this. 12 points against Atlanta, 10 against Cincinnati, 7 against Pittsburgh last week. Now, he did get 73 yards. He's getting some yards, but nothing. The receiving game, no catches against the Bengals and Steelers. I don't. I can't chalk this up to injury. It's got to be the offensive line because even if you say, oh, his knee's not 100%, Okay, why isn't he getting four or five catches? There's times where he comes out of the backfield and he's open and Goff is looking at Cooper Cup, you know, even if he's double teamed or covered. He's, it's something about this offense just feels like it's not, you can't, it's not just the offensive line. I get it with the run. It is the, the, the run, yes, it's not the same, but no matter who's back there for the, the Rams, the running back is not what it used to be. I think if Gurley was on, a team that threw to him more, he would still be just as effective or maybe a little less as effective, but still better than he than he has been. So I don't know. He could be the wild card. I don't know what to expect out of that. Elliott should have the best game with Josh Jacobs having the second best, but he's got to be able to keep pace with Elliott in that one, or that'll be a huge advantage. I'm going to give the advantage to Brian right now just because he's got Zeke, who's the best one. Wide receivers, you got Evans and Watkins. Evans, last time he played the Saints, got a big zero. I don't expect that to happen again, but do I really think he's going to go for 50 after they pretty did pretty well at blanketing him and trying to take him out of the game? I don't think he's going to do that. He's at home against – when he plays at home, he has been a little better. But last week, four for 82, not a bad game against Arizona. I think he did draw Patrick Peterson. It's – on the road, he's been better. I mean, look at his best games. Fit, oh, no, that was a good game at home. 50 against the Giants. That was where he blew up. But then against the Saints, zero catches. Then he went off for 9, 11, and 12 before he went back down to earth with four last week. He needs a, he needs a big 25 to 45-point game. He needs Evans to really step up and shine because Michael Thomas is playing Tampa Bay. And we've seen what teams have done to Tampa Bay. Christian Kirk. Uh, did we not just mention, what did Mike Evans do against Tampa Bay? Let's look real quick. Against Tampa Bay, Mike Evans. I thought he did he play them yet. No, Mike Evans hasn't played Tampa Bay yet. How has he not played? Oh, t- what an idiot I am. I'm sitting here actually. I cannot believe I just did that. I'm actually looking on the schedule going, has Mike Evans played Tampa Bay? He's on Tampa Bay. What a complete bonehead. So, yeah, no, Mike Evans has not played Tampa Bay yet. Um, in practice, he has. I can't give you his fantasy numbers and his practice games. But so Mike Evans, yeah, he needs to have a big game. Michael Thomas, they're playing each other. I think the whoever has the better game of that um, – could because Landry played and had 14. I think Watkins, I think Matt would be ecstatic if Watkins can get him 14. If you told him right now, hey, Matt, what if I told you you can have Watkins 14 or you take a, a gamble and you can get two or 50? I'm, I can't speak for Matt, but I would assume he would say, hey, I'll take it. Because if he got 14, that would be his second highest scoring game of the season. That's how up and down and crappy Watkins has been when, heck, you know, the guy should be doing way better than that. The talent he is with that quarterback, there's no excuse. There is no excuse for Watkins. But uh, if Watkins can get 14 and, and Ty Landry, the running backs are going to do well. We've yet to see if Allen can match Baker Mayfield, believe it or not. So if Evans or Thomas, if either one of them outduels the other one by 20 points, that could be the difference in the game. Tight end, I yet to see what Matt's going to do with tight end. His flex... Uh, I know it would have been nice to play Hunt. Hunt only had 11, but I'll take 11 in the flex from what Matt has now, nothing. 
Brian's got uh, McLaurin against the Jets, which is a good matchup. As, and I think Hoskins is playing. That might hurt him a little bit. They did play together in college. So I remember I actually had McLaurin early in the season. I picked him up week one, and I was like, oh, man, I couldn't wait for him to play Hoskins because I'm like, man, they can get their chemistry from college going. But it was actually better when Case Keenan was the quarterback. McLaurin was getting a lot more looks and a better quarterback play. We'll see what happens there. And Brian must be waiting still for the last second to see who he wants to plug in his defensive player. Doesn't matter. Matt's just as bad right now. Matt's got a, a guy in a bye week. So they're both drawn a zero at that one. So there's a push. And as go, defenses go, I'm 100% taking the Vikings playing at home against Denver. This is a week where I think the Vikings will make up for their terrible performance last week. Look for them to get around 25 to 30. We'll see if Brian's excited with that because it means it's his Bronco team that would end up suffering the loss. But going down position by position and based on projection, Brian should kill Matt as of right now. That's because Matt has two guys in a buy, actually three guys in a buy, and he's yet to fix them. So it could be a little misleading. Based on position, quarterback, slightly edge in Matt. We'll see if Allen can do it on the road at Miami. I think Allen can equal 23. So it might be a push, but we at least know what Baker Mayfield has done. Running backs, I'm going to give the edge to Brian. Zeke should be the best game of all of them. Wide receiver, oh man, you got to go with Brian because Michael Thomas will destroy Tampa Bay's secondary. They, they have gotten lit up all year. While Mike Evans got his goose egg last time he played them, I don't know what to expect with him. It, could he rebound? Yes. He can totally, if he went off for 11 catches and 125 yards, I would not be shocked. Sammy Watkins, you'd like to see him get 14 points. But that is it with their matchup. Right now, Brian is looking favored to win it. Matt's going to have to get some guys, fill in those holes. He needs to win. Two out of three if he wants a realistic chance of winning this division. Uh, and this is it. This is it. You're playing the guy who's in first place, Matt. So this is a now or never kind of situation. Because if you lose to him, Brian only has a one-game lead with two left. But you have to hope someone else. Now it's in someone else's hands. Because even if you go on to beat Eric, even if you go on to beat Steve, you still have to have one of them beat Brian twice. Because he will have a better division record than you. He would have swept you 2-0. and oh, So it wouldn't even matter. If Matt loses this, you have to literally win the last two and Brian has to lose the last two. So it's a dark day right there for you, Matt. Uh, former champ trying to go for his second title if you do not beat Brian this week. Next game, we got Eric going against Steve. Hot Chub Time Machine against Team Trash. And man, tonight, it really sucked for both these guys on this primetime game. Juju Smith-Schuster goes down early with a concussion. And it's like, are you kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? Look at his last three weeks, four points against Indy, eight and a half against the Rams. And you're like, at least I was thinking, okay, tonight against Cleveland, I think he'll do better. I think it's prime time. You got to be thinking he's going to get 10 to 20 points, somewhere in the double digit range. And I think he would have. And then he gets the concussion. And I, I hate injuries. I hate them. It's one thing to miss a little bit of time in the game, but you try to come back. But it's so hard when you are limited options and with some guys on bye weeks and you do your best to get what's out there. Injuries are killing some teams. And you're like, I'm going to get what I can out there. And then they get hurt in the game. So you can't even, you don't, it's not even in warmups or in Friday's practice or Wednesday's, uh, you know, go through. He gets hurt in the game and you're done. So it's great news for Steve, even though Vance McDonald didn't do much, which was another shock. But Steve still got, if you go based on quarterback, if Stafford plays, I'm, oh my gosh, I want to say Stafford because I think Dallas will score enough on that defense that Stafford will have to throw. 
But Jimmy G is going to have a really good matchup against Arizona. His best game of the season was two weeks ago in that Thursday night game against Arizona. At home, looking to rebound after their first loss of the season. I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say push. Just if Stafford plays, it's a push. If he does not, and he plays, go. Eric goes with Kyle Allen. Um, Kyle Allen could still have a really good game, but I'm gonna take uh, Jimmy G. Kyle Allen's going against Tampa Bay. Oh no, he's not. He's not going against Tampa Bay. Who's he going against? Is it Atlanta? Yeah. Oh man, Eric's got two good. He's got good matchups. Kyle Allen against Atlanta. It depends if the Panthers run a lot, or I don't think they would. I think Kyle Allen will have a really good game against. The Falcons, who you know, who also turned into a defensive master last week against the Saints. So now I'm fearful. Does that mean that was a one-week thing, a division rivalry thing, or are they legitly turning the corner now with the season over, and now they decide to win some games and hurt their draft pick for next season? Because Matt Ryan ain't getting any younger. If I'm the Falcons, I'm thinking we'll go out there, but you're probably hoping to lose so you can go out there and get a new QB because there's several teams who are ahead of them right now looking to get a quarterback as well. So I would say push, but if Stafford doesn't play, I would still take Jimmy G over Kyle Allen against Atlanta. Running backs, Coleman and Cohen against Mostart and Breida. You got two Niner backs, Breida, not even 100%. Even if he plays, I would be fearful what's going to happen, but what else are you going to do? There's not that much on the, on, the, on the free agent list right now. That's why it was so big to go. I was shocked that Brian Hill was available. I thought someone else would have jumped on that because – this time of the year, if you can get a running back who's going to get 15 to 20 carries, you need to grab him. There's too many injuries. Coleman, I like Coleman out of all three Niner running backs. Cohen against the, the Rams, I think he should have a, a respectable game, especially with Montgomery. If no one's heard, Montgomery got hurt. You know, it was in a, uh, I can't remember if it was a non-contact injury. They said it was slightly rolled his ankle and he should be okay. So we'll see. But uh, that'll be great news for Eric if he doesn't play because then Cohen might get more involved against that Rams defense and maybe he can uh, get a double-digit to 20-point game somewhere in there. I would take Eric's right now just the fact they're on two different teams and they are they could potentially be the number one running backs for both those teams this week. Let's get to wide receivers. Juju, we saw play. Allen Robinson against the Rams. Who's going to take Robinson? If it's Jalen Ramsey, uh Robinson could still go out and get four catches for 60 yards. He could still get 10 points, but I don't know if he's going to go off. Ramsey's been really well since he's joined the Rams. Even Julio Jones was held to without a touchdown under 100 yards. Speaking of which, that's what Steve has. He's got Julio Jones going against Carolina and Mike Williams on the Monday night game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs can give up the pass. So looking at those four guys, had Juju not played, I might say push. But because he got the concussion is out, and we know what happened, I would rather have, at this point, even with Alan, knowing Allen Robinson's playing Jalen Ramsey, I would still rather have Steves. Julio Jones is the best receiver out of all of those. He's got the best quarterback out of all those. No disrespect to Trubisky or Kyle Rudolph. Not Kyle Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Um, yeah, those guys do not even hold a candle to Matt Ryan. So to have Julio Jones, that would be my man. Mike Williams. Has a better quarterback with Rivers, although Rivers has been playing terrible. But I got to give the edge to receiver there. And for Steve to win, he's going to need Julio and Williams to get about 15 and Jones to get about 30. His typical 30 to 35 point big game to really, really uh, push ahead because Eric's got the advantage of running backs. Quarterback could be a stalemate. Tight end, I think Jack Doyle is healthy. 
Uh, I think he can easily break six points. I think he gets a touchdown this week. So I like Eric's tight end more. Ronald Jones against the Saints. The Saints are uh, a pretty good run defense. Remember, they shut down Zeke. But Zeke still, I think, had 17 points against him. I think Jones can get 15 points. I think he had a great game last week based on matchup. And now Coleman's going against the same matchup Jones had last week and tore him up. So I think uh, Jones can have a pretty good game. I like him more than Robert Woods. You would think by now Robert Woods would have had a touchdown. Last week was one of his best games because he, he had 95 yards. And it was almost his second 100-yard game of the year against Pittsburgh. We'll see. Now there's no Cooks. But the Titans, I believe, are all going to be back. Higby. And uh, Everett, they're going to have more weapons there, get Gurley involved. So I don't know if Woods is going to go get seven for 95. If he can at least get a touchdown and a few catches for him, I think Steve will be happy with that. And then it might be uh, a wash. Um, But based on history, I would rather have Ronald Jones going into this matchup. But Robert Woods, if if he can just get a touchdown somehow, his first receiving touchdown of the year, I think it could be a, a, a wash right there, even break even. Defense, I'm going Littleton, Bears. I know they got Mac. Mac is a big play guy, and Goff uh, has been pressured a lot this season, and Mac can totally get to Goff and disrupt it, change the whole Rams game plan. He did last year, and Goff had his worst game of the season in Chicago. So we'll see. I like Littleton more because I think the Bears are going to do a lot of underneath stuff because Trubisky's not that great at being aggressive and throwing downfield, which means Littleton's going to be involved a lot on all those tackles. So I would rather have Littleton going into this. And then as the defenses, the Saints at Tampa Bay, the last time they played the Bucks, what was it? They they got 20 points. I'll take it. They gave up 24. They had no interceptions and no fumbles, and yet they still got no fumble recoveries, and yet they still got 20. So that tells you how good the Saints D is. They've had double digits every game this year. They're one of the few teams in the league that has done that. So they're a top 10 defense right now. So I, I like them a lot against Tampa Bay, but I think Tampa Bay – in Tampa, will have an even bigger game than they did in New Orleans, where they still put up 24. Uh, so look for poss- – if you get a shootout there, Eric will love it. That will totally help Eric big time. Look at this. the Niners just did. The, look at these games. 44. They got 44 against Tampa, and they only gave up 11. Way better than the Saints did against them. 21, 23, 40, 24, 25, 37. 12 against Arizona. That was a shocker. That was on that big play. The Arizona, even though they scored 25, it really didn't feel like it. It was kind of a Isabel crazy play at the end. And then against Seattle, 37. So you got four times the Niners have broke for 30 or more, two of them 40-point games. I think against Arizona, I think Arizona will move the ball effectively at times, but I think the Niners D will get enough pressure or maybe force. Kyler Murray's been great at not turning the ball over. That's one thing that really might help him win NFC Rookie of the Year. But yeah, he's uh, I I just can't see the Niners not rebounding and playing even better. And they gave up 21 points and still got 37. So the Cardinals can easily go out there, get 17 to 24 points. And the Niners can still get, I'm taking the Niners in this. So when it comes to defense in both categories, I like Eric. Flex, I like Jones, but they could break even. I like tight end. This is a matchup Eric should win. Now, based off of the projections here, they have Steve winning 104 to 103. We will see what happens there. Um, Breaking it down by position, I like Eric for this week. Okay, let me check the time because, man, I'm trying to get what I want to talk to. 35 minutes. I got to pick it up. Let's see. Whose game was next? Talked about them. Talked about Eric. 
Let's get to Dino Dan and Christian, full-blown Lazarus, and nothing could be sweeter for Dino Dan than to see Christian's defense, the Steelers, who have been really, really good. What did they do last week against the Rams? 47 points. Listen to these games. The first two games, minus two against the Patriots. Okay, they were getting their Super Bowl rings. That's expected. 13 against Seattle, 16 against the Niners. And you're like, who's going to get the Bengals scored 21 in Seattle? Why would I go pick them up? Christian grabbed them early on in the season. It's a very good move. Uh, it's helped him with his, even in his four-game losing streak, he had them against the Bengals. I don't know if he played them that week, though, when he picked up the Steelers. He picked up the Steelers when? Wednesday, September 25th. So that would have been, I think, the third week, maybe after the Niner game, maybe because he saw they were playing the Bengals. I can't remember if he played them, but they scored 38, then 28, then 28 by week, then 29, 34, and 47. Wow, that is so impressive. Their highest score of the season just came last week against the Rams, and then their other one was 38 against the Bengals. So you're thinking, dude, against Cleveland, even if they lose – which I thought they would, even if they lose, there's no way the Steelers don't go out and force some turnovers on Baker Mayfield. We've seen it all the time on primetime this year. So you're like, you know, the Steelers have got to be looking at 20 points minimum. And they got 10, 10 points. That was huge for Dino Dan. He had no one in the game, but he had two guys who were supposed to do well. The Steelers were projected to get 19, almost 20. They got half of that. And Connor was predicted to get 16. Now, in his defense, Connor did get injured, which sucks. You know, like I said, injuries just like it was with Eric. Connor had, what, five carries and one catch on two targets before he got injured. The problem was maybe they shouldn't have rushed him back, you know, if he's not 100%. But even when he was playing, he didn't look good. I don't know if it's the injury because his shoulder was hurt, but he didn't look good. I, You know, when I was watching him, I thought this could be a big night for Connor, but on his first few carries... I was like, man, that first tackle even, he had a chance if he got by the defender to break like a 20-yard run, and he gets caught up by a foot. And it wasn't like he was running full speed and got tripped by an arm tackle. He actually got hit by it, and then the guy literally just grabbed his foot with one hand and pulled him. So that looked like a bad start right from the beginning where he had big potential play, and he just got a simple tackle. And Connor never looked solid. And he finished with two points, which is so unfair because you hate injuries. He could have got a, a, a touchdown later in the game um, and maybe at least salvaged tonight for nine, ten points, somewhere like that, to where it can be an impact and help him. But 12 points. If Dino Dan was told, hey, I'm going to give you 12 points combined for those, he probably would have taken 12 points for both of them to finish with 24. But the team finished with 12. And that's what Dino Dan needs because – He's got other new talented players, but he needs some some luck because he's had some matchups where he scored a bunch other than the game against Eric where they both scored a bunch and he came out on top on that one. He's had some where he scored a decent amount like Jose has. Like I mean, basically everyone in the year this year has had that where they've got – but I, it seems to happen to, to Eric, Dino Dan, and Jose, possibly Brian as well. Almost that whole division, even Matt, uh, has broken over 145 and lost – and so Dino Dan, he needs a little bit of luck. Let's break it down with quarterbacks. Matt Ryan and against Drew Brees. If Matt Ryan plays at Carolina, we'll see. Do they get the run game going? You know, last year, um, what's his name? Brian Hill last year, he, he rushed for over 100 yards against Carolina as he filled in for Devonta Freeman towards the end of the season. So is it going to be more that or is this going to be Matt Ryan throwing all over him? Let me see. Did they play Carolina yet? No, this is their first time against Carolina. 
But Matt Ryan against the Rams, 5.5, absolute terrible. He got hurt, didn't play Seattle, which was a heartbreaker because Seattle is awful against the pass. That would have been a good game for him. I mean, look what, uh, what's his name? Who filled in for him? Matt Schaub did. He threw for, was it 500 yards or 400 yards? But anyways, he played the Saints last week. Two touchdowns, he got 17 points and a win. In real football, that was beautiful. For fantasy, it wasn't great. Christian's looking for a game where he's going to come out with 30 points. And he needs it because I know, I know Drew Brees only had 14 last week. I know against Arizona, he had 34 and looked great. Then he had the bye week. And so he had two weeks to prepare with Atlanta, and he had no touchdowns. And didn't even break 300, which was a, a complete shock. But now he's at Tampa Bay. Even though the Saints defense plays well, it's on the road. I think Breeze is going to have to throw a lot, even if it's to Kamara in the passing game or uh, Latavius Murray. I like Drew Breeze heavily over this because I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to have to throw as much because uh, Carolina's offense is good and solid, but they are not as good as Tampa Bay's offense. And Tampa Bay could take away the run, which means Breeze is going to have to throw a lot. So I love Dino Dan's quarterback over Matt Ryan this week. Running backs, um... Matchups are tough for Dino Dance. If James Conner had not played yet, I am 100% on board with Melvin Gordon and James Conner because Melvin Gordon is back. He is back. He's had a really good game and now a great game, and now he's against the worst run defense in fantasy football with the Chiefs. Primetime Monday Night Football, you know they're going to give him the ball a lot. I think Melvin Gordon, I would have said Conner's going to get 15 to 20 and Gordon's going to get 25 you know, he's looking at a 50-point combination possibly of them combining. Now Connor's got two. So now if Melvin Gordon goes off for 27, it's not even 30 points for his two backs. I think Marlon Mack at home against Jacksonville with Brissett back, I think Mack can get him about 15 points. I think Mack can say, okay, I can 100% get you a solid enough game to where Mack and then Lindsey – Lindsey has the toughest match of all of them. At, if this was in Denver, I'd like it more, but it's at Minnesota. Lindsey, though, has 11 point and then 15 point against Cleveland last week. So he's had back-to-back games of double digit. He's had double digits every game this season with the exception of two times. That was at home against Jacksonville where he only had nine carries and at home against Kansas City on that nightmare game. That was a Thursday night short week where the Broncos should have killed him and the Chiefs just took it to him. Took it to him big time, and it never got in a flow. So those are both exceptions. I think at Minnesota, they know with the, the young quarterback, they're going to have to get Lindsey involved, Royce Freeman involved. So Lindsey at least can get some out of the passing game. If he can get Mack and Lindsey both with 10 to 15 points, I think Dino Dan will be more than happy than that with the quarterback play heavily in his favor. So I'm going to still give the – I'm going to say it's a push now because Melvin Gordon's – unless he has a 30-plus point game – it's not going to be that big of a blowout. You know, like I said, if Connor did not get hurt, I'd be like, oh, man, this might be, like I said, 50 to 20. You know, that could be a 30-plus point advantage for Christian's running backs. But because Connor was bad, even if he gets an advantage, it might only be 10 to 12, somewhere in that range. And Breeze can make up the difference over Matt Ryan just right there. And then the Steelers' D did not have a great game. The Rams, oh, I love the Rams at home on primetime Sunday night against that crappy Trubisky. If, now, the running game, they could see if they get that involved. They did not They did not run. Uh, teams have not run well in the Rams. The Rams have turned into a defensive-heavy team because their offense has let them down. So I don't know what to expect in that game, but I do like the Rams' defense to make, force some turnovers on Trubisky. Maybe the Bears get some garbage points in the second half or if it gets out of hand. Maybe the Bears win the game. I don't know. But I do like uh, Dino Dan's defense over Christian, especially with 10 points. I think the Rams can double that easily, if not more.
Looking at receivers, it's hard for anyone in the league to beat Christian. I know Brian had some good ones, uh, but with Odell Beckham not doing much this year and then getting traded, he's not really been a wide. He's lucky to even be considered a wide receiver too, the way that offense has worked. But he still got um, the wide receiver. Why does oh Michael Thomas? And he's also got Landry and McLaurin. And now he's got, once he's out of the bye week, he's got another top receiver with Tyler Lockett. So I do love, I like Brian's more now than before the Beckham deal with Michael Thomas, McLaurin, Landry, and Lockett. He's got four really good receivers, two incredible ones. Um, But Christian's still up there with the best. If I can have anyone's receiving core in this league, including the one in his flex, I would take DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Um, if you go just two receiver combo, I'm taking Hopkins and Hill, you know, the H boys, uh, totally, totally take them. They're just too dangerous. They can both go off for 40 point nights anytime. So you can't really just give a projection. Now he's at Baltimore. I think the Ravens secondary Marcus Peters is there and he's making big plays by taking guesses and making pick sixes, but he also still gets burned. I like Hopkins to have a really good game against the Ravens. And I think Tyree Kill just destroys the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Sutton has another tough matchup. Dino Dan has two really good uh, players now with Sutton and Lindsey. But this is the worst week to have them. But you can't bench them. you got to play them. He just traded for them. And they're both guys who can potentially get him 10 to 15 to maybe even 20-point games. Somebody's got to get the ball. You're, you can't tell me even when Minnesota plays well, even in you know fourth quarter prevent, that you're not going to see Sutton or Lindsey getting some um, good touches right before the half with the two-minute um, offense, whatever the situation may be. I like Sutton. I love Crowder against Washington. And no, this has nothing to do with his uh, ex-team getting revenge a revenge game. But I, I love Crowder going against Washington. He's been uh, Darnold's favorite target. He had a great game last week for 19 points. But nobody's going to beat Christian. Christian is looking at Dino Dan's begging. If he can get those receivers to combine for under 55, I think he'll take it. I think he'll be excited. He'll be, hey, you know, one can have 30, one can have 25. You will take it. Because Crowder and Sutton, if they can equal 30 themselves, you know, let's say 55 to 30, that's about a 20-point. If he can keep within a 20-point margin, I think Breeze and his running backs might be enough to keep Dino Dan kind of even because it's all going to come down to the defense at the end, the defense. We already covered that, but if the defense swing, if the Rams go off for 30, that huge swing can make up the, I mean, this game is projected to be really, really close and I wouldn't want it any other way as the division uh, possible ability to win the division is still on the line. Both of them heavy, heavy favorites to still make the playoffs. DJ Chark against Diggs, Diggs against Denver. Denver has a good secondary. The Colts are a really good secondary this year. They've taken teams down. I think Foles is returning. I like DJ Chark this week. I like DJ Chark. Um, I would rather have Diggs, though, so I'm going to give the edge to Stefan Diggs and Christian. But I would have no problems with Diggs or Chark as my flex. And then tight end. Christian smartly went after uh, Dooley from the Niners because the odds are Kittle will still be out. So that was a smart play as he lost Hooper. If Hooper was there... Christian's number one the rest of the season unless he takes on Kelsey. No one's going to have a better tight end. Very unfortunate. Christian continues to have crappy luck when it comes to big moves, making the right move, and then suffering from injuries afterwards. Kyle Rudolph against Denver. He's Hey, there you go. He's got a lot of guys 
in that game. That game could help decide how good Dino Dan's team does. Two touchdowns last week. If Rudolph can get another one to two touchdown games and keep Diggs off the scoreboard, that's a, a double strike in Dan, uh, Dino Dan's favor. Both linebacker, uh, linebacker Vander Esch, I love. We'll see if he gets rebounds and has another good week. He had 20 points last week after having 15 and four, uh, 5 and 14 a few weeks before. Came back with 13 tackles to his high point for the season with tackles, 20 points. See if he can continue to keep that going against the Lions, who do move the ball. At the same time, Buda Baker, I had already mentioned to him how Dino Dan grabbed him on the waiver wire show. Beautiful move because he had 36 against the Niners two weeks ago, and he's playing him again. I think he's going to get at least double-digit tackles, so great move right there. I think it's going to come down. This is going to be such a good game. There's so many good games this week with so much on the line. I think it's quarterback. I got to take Dino Dan. Running backs, I think it's a slight edge with Melvin Gordon, but Dino Dan's got two guys, and he knows that, hey, all I got to do is get these two to outscore Melvin Gordon by a little bit. If I can get my two to outscore Christian's one, oh, that would go such a long way. That would go such a long way for Dino Dan. Crowder, Sutton. Crowder, great matchup. Sutton, a tough one. Uh, I still like him, though. He's still a wide receiver. He's still the Broncos' top receiver, so you got to play him. Hopkins and Hill. The only hope Dino Dan has is that maybe the Chiefs spread the ball around. We know the Texans can. With Will Fuller, um, Fells, they're tight end. I mean, they have so many weapons on there. Deshaun Watson running it. So we'll see right there. But overall, it I would have to, if I looked at the team basing, breaking it down by now, I would choose Dino Dan's team to win just in the fact that Connor and the Steelers' D totally let Christian down from injury and from bad play. Dino Dan's still having two more extra to play, and that being Lindsey and the Rams, I think they can both do good enough or well enough, I'm sorry, to make up the difference for anything that Hopkins and Hill can do. Unless they both go for 50, which is possible against the Ravens and Chargers. They both go for 50. Dino Dan, you're going to need somebody on your team like a Lindsey or a Breeze to have a 50-point game or DJ Chark to have a 35-point game. You're going to have to have somebody really step up. The Rams get 50 because you can't have two guys get 100. And even though Christian already had 12 between the other uh, two who played tonight or last night, it's going to be so hard to beat that. So, Dino Dan, good luck. Christian, good luck. This one's too tough to call. I'm not going to make a decision on who looks like because it's even ESPN has it close. I think it's going to be an exciting game with that Bronco Viking being a big part of it and the quarterback play. So let me check your time. See, I'm not even going to get a chance. To, see, there's only 10 minutes left. The matchups, sometimes when I talk, it's just too much. Um, I'm not going to break down all the importance. I'll, have, I'll prepare that for Monday's show. As Monday, we will talk about the Sunday night game, a lot of the afternoon stuff, and I will also talk about um, the importance of all the games coming up. Because this game's done, I'll break down the playoff scenarios on Monday's show. I will break down the playoff scenarios, especially when we know what might happen. We might not know. There's a lot of people that have guys on the line Monday night with Chiefs and Chargers um, in fantasy there's a lot of fantasy gold in that game to where we don't know who's going to win. There could be outcomes undecided. And if that's the case, uh, Monday's show will be great because we're hey, – hey, sorry. Got to get – jeez, get out of here, cat. Go. You know, this is what happens when you have a lot of cats and you're trying to do a podcast. One of them wants to start fighting and you got to break him up. So anyways, so we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about on Monday's show. Uh, where I will break down who is going where if the playoffs started that day and why and uh, 
we'll build it. And there could be some games that are totally out of out of proportion, so we can guess who's going to win and where the division races will go from there. But our final game, I will talk mostly about Jacob's team. It is Tenacious D's against Elijah Duh winning. And right now, Jacob is projected to win by, I believe, 18 points, 150 to 132 over Elijah. The quarterback, usually you go Deshaun Watson no matter what. I, I'm going to love Deshaun Watson against – that is such a good game. And I'm so excited to see Lamar Jackson go against Deshaun Watson, the Ravens, Texans in Baltimore. I, I hate when the games are like this and then the first half ends, you know, 10-7 or 10-10. You're just like, what? You know, and then they'll see the fourth quarter erupt where the final score is 42-35. You're like, why? where was this all game? I understand sometimes you have game script and game flow. But still, some of this, it's like you want the whole – I want it to be 21-17 at half and the final 42-40 to 40, or 48-40, something like that. Get the game flowing all game so you enjoy it. That's what I expect with these two matchups with Deshaun Watson and uh, Lamar Jackson, the number one or number two and three quarterback on the season for total points. They go heads up. But it's not a gimme that it's just, oh, well, you got to give it to Deshaun Watson. Jameis Winston, he's up there too. And his last four games, 31, 30, 27, 28, 358 yards last week with a touchdown against Arizona. He's got a tough matchup against the Saints, but he's at home. He still had a pretty good game last time they played. What did he do against Saints last time? Only 19. And he had no turnovers, though. It's because he only threw 200 yards. But I think that game's going to be a good shootout. Not as good as Deshaun Watson, though. So I'll give the edge to quarterback to Jacob. Running backs, Mixon and White. Um... Mixon's playing the Raiders. The Raiders are good at stopping the run, but I think Mixon can get enough to where he can get double digits. I think White can do the same. You're looking at White maybe at a 12 to 15 point game and Mixon at a 10 to 12 game. So if they combine for uh, 25 points, that's a win for Elijah. He's just got to make it up with his wide receivers. Alvin Kamara is going against the top run defense, I believe, in fantasy. Now, he can get a lot of catches out of the backfield, which will help him. But if Kamara finishes the day with 12 points or 13 points, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not, because it's Tampa Bay. Last week against Atlanta, when he had four for 24 and only 15 points, that was a shock. But at least it was still 15. That's not a bad game. But you'd like to see a little more against that defense. It's Cook. Cook is the one who's at home. I know he's going against the Broncos, but Cook right now is the second best running back in fantasy, averaging 25 points per game behind McCaffrey. That will be the difference. Cook can easily go for 30 and outscore both of Elijah's running backs. Then you still got Kamara. Um, Just those three, Winston, Mixon, and White, I think can combine for 55 maybe, while Watson, Kamara, and Cook are probably going to combine for about 70 to 75. And that's Danny's rule. Or how do do I always call Danny's law? I think it's Danny's law where – no, Danny's rule. Whatever you're – quarterback and two running backs get 75 you're most likely going to win and Elijah is unless he gets a miracle from Mixon or White has like a three touchdown game it's looking heavily favored for Jacob even though the score does not project that on ESPN Hollywood Brown I'm biased he's one of my favorite players loved him coming out of college he's up there he had 80 yards and a touchdown last week I think he's going to get some more of the same against the Texans I think he he will be their Will Fuller as they go back and forth as long as both can stay healthy. We could see an incredible shootout there. Uh, Debo Samuel, great pickup. He's going to play Arizona, and we know there's still an injury to Sanders. I don't know if Sanders will play, but 24 points last week. Look for that again. Against Arizona last time, he had to share, and it was uh, uh, you know getting the running backs involved 
and the passing game and Samuel didn't get really heavily involved, I think he will. That was his big breakout game. So Samuel, I like Devontae Parker as well, though. If we look at Elijah's receivers, he's had double digits for one, two, three, four, five, six straight weeks, double digit points. Uh, he needs to he needs to get a, a, a touchdown, maybe a 15 point game. Um, Elijah's team, if you look at it, he can be competitive, but it's going to take a miracle. This is going to take a miracle, like when Nick's team was projected to get like 135 and they broke 200 and beat and got a victory over Brian. That's what's going to take. It's going to take Keenan Allen, who had 13 for 183 for 48 points against the Texans. He's going to have to do that on Kansas City. He didn't do much against the Raiders, and he didn't do anything against Green Bay or Chicago, or Tennessee, or Pittsburgh, or Denver, or Miami. I mean, the list goes on and on. How terrible is that? He started out so hot, and he's been so bad. He's still wide receiver one at number 11th overall, but that was because of a huge start to the season, and he's kind of disappeared. But Keenan Allen and Parker are can easily get him solid numbers. But if White, Mixon, and Allen and Parker all get 15 points, that's still only 60 out of those four guys, while Brian can easily break 60 with... Cook and Marquise Brown or Cook and uh, Debo Samuel. So it I, I got to say Brian's heavily favored in this. Zach Ertz, he's actually looking better again. Zach Ertz, Oregon Henry on Monday Night Football. Mm, I'm going to say Wash. I think both of them are big-name guys, and they're both playing well. I like Henry a little more. He's been more consistent recently, but Ertz is still playing like he used to be. Uh-oh, let me check the timer. Oh, gosh, 57 minutes. All right. So I'm just going to skip the rest. Singletary, Marvin Jones is the secret factor here, the this, this sneaky play. If Marvin Jones has a monster game, that will be the difference to at least scare Jacob that Elijah has a chance. Elijah needs some consistent points. Okay, let's say he gets 60 from his two running backs and two receivers. Ertz goes out for 15. Marvin Jones goes for 40. There's 115 right there without Winston, without Hicks, who gets 20, without the Cowboys going against Detroit. So he can get 120, 140. 155, and then it could come down to the Cowboys. Can the Cowboys get 20? That gets him at 175. He gets 175, he's got a shot, and that's what's going to take. The Patriots are at Philly. I don't know what to expect with them. He did pick up Levante David, who should have a big game against the Saints. He'll need to match Hicks for the 20, because if David doesn't and Hicks outplays him or doubles him up, that could be the difference. The defense and Marvin Jones. If Jones goes out and doesn't do anything, gets 12 points like last week, Jacob is going to look at a 10 and 1 record. And he's going to, and Austin could be like, uh oh, I need to beat Jose because Jose started out great on that Thursday night game. So I'm sorry I didn't get to get to the standings. I didn't get to some of the implications like I really wanted to. Oh, so disappointing. And look at, I only covered four games four games and then we talked a lot almost 15 minutes on the the Thursday night game which was honestly at times not entertaining until the end and there it started out with a bang um but yeah that's that's all for the show I hope you guys enjoy the show um continue to listen um continue to if you ever have anything uh, go ahead and text me mock me uh tell me what I know Jacob he's great at giving me ideas um on things like I said we're going to talk about our all pro team um, we'll talk about our all suck team and uh, we have some, yeah. So hopefully you guys have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy your Friday, enjoy your Saturday, be safe, uh, be wise with your decisions, what you do in life. And remember fantasy football is just for fun, but enjoy the heck out of it because it makes our Sunday so much better. Have a good weekend guys. Bye-bye.